0: Mental health is my wealth, the stress up on the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The The Big Silence. All right, and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. Hope you're having a beautiful week. I'm really excited about today's guest, Dr. Daniel Amen. I've been following him on Instagram for quite some time and all of his discussions about brain health. And he always phrases it, what if mental health is really brain health? So we break it down. We talk about a lot of topics from You Happier, his latest book. He has many, many books. But this is The Seven Neuroscience Secrets of Feeling Good Based on Your Brain. So enjoy this conversation. And of course, as always, share.
1: I did my, I'm also a child psychiatrist and did my child psychiatry training in Hawaii, which is uh, Asian culture. And it's a shame-based culture. And we wouldn't see children who are having trouble until they were really having trouble because no one wanted a family member with a mental illness. But if you said, well, what if we could have them have a better brain? And that's a culture where performance is very important. And it's like, oh, well, I want a better brain. Nobody wants to be called mental. Everybody wants to have a better brain. So if we break this paradigm, which I think is archaic, And wrong, then we could make some serious progress because, you know, depression has gone up fourfold since 1987 when Prozac was released. It obviously means it's not a serotonin problem. (laughs) So (laughs) something else is going on. And I think of depression or schizophrenia like chest pain. It's nobody gets a diagnosis of chest pain. Why? Because it doesn't tell you what's causing it. And it doesn't tell you what to do for it. And this idea of diagnoses based on symptom clusters with no biological data is insane. We literally today make diagnoses like they did in 1840 when Lincoln.
0: Oh, absolutely. And what would you say? Let's take depression because it's on such a rise, or either, or, you know, a lot more people are open about it and speaking about it. And in your book, You Happier, you have the seven secrets to happiness. I'm always about finding modalities and ways to heal your brain naturally. Would you have any advice on that? Do you think depression is? a disease of the brain, or it can be healed naturally, or just your thoughts on that? Because I know there's so many people listening that are having these thoughts and being in a depressed state.
1: So the question is why? It's like, you know, if you have chest pain, someone's going to ask, why do you have chest pain? They're not going to just start treating the chest pain, because it could be from a coronary artery blockage. It could be from a heart infection. It could be from pneumonia. It could be from gas. It could be from grief. And so the first step is to find out why. And so at Amen Clinics, we look at your brain because is it from a head injury? Or is it from toxic exposure? is it from inflammation from COVID, for example? Or inflammation from Lyme disease? Is it you have low thyroid? Is it you're anemic? Is you know there's like thirty different reasons, and I subdivide anxiety and depression into seven different types. Now, having said that, once you know. Why? Head-to-head against antidepressants, omega-3 fatty acids have been found to be equally effective. Head-to-head against antidepressants, walking like you're late for 45 minutes, four times a week. has been shown to be equally effective to Zoloft. Head-to-head against antidepressants, learning how not to believe every stupid thing you think Mm -hmm. has been found to be equally effective. So I call it killing the ants, the automatic negative thoughts that steal your happiness. I think of people in four big circles, like, so what's their biology? And that's why we look at people's brains. What's their psychology? How do they think? What's their level? of childhood trauma. My current wife, Tana, we are doing a huge study on the ACE questionnaire, adverse childhood experiences. So I have one, which means some, but not a ton. She has eight. (laughs) And our daughter has one, and that's sort of the goal, eight to one, how to not transfer your trauma to the next generation. So I think of that in the psychological circle. And then there's a social circle, right? If you're fussing in your marriage or you get fired from your job or you're experiencing isolation from COVID, more likely to be depressed. And then what most of my colleagues never talk about, but I think is critical, is, well, what about the spiritual circle? Why do you care? What is your deepest sense of meaning and purpose? Because purposeful people get depressed less. Often. And so I'm always thinking in those four circles. But most of my colleagues never look at the brain. And if you go, hey, Daniel, what are the big things you've learned? Is well, all psychiatric illnesses, as described by the DSM, are not single or simple disorders. There are many roads to ADHD, there are many roads to anxiety, there are many roads to depression. And if you don't know what's it, how do you fix it? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just sort of ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So you've done over 200,000 brain scans. So how do you read a brain? Because I know when my mother was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and this was in the 90s, they do a brain scan, they show it to you, and then you get meds. And that's it. They don't talk about all of the other things that you just mentioned. The lifestyle changes, the things that can be very healing. But what do you see when you scan a brain?
1: So we do a study called SPECT that looks at blood flow and activity. It looks at how the brain works. So it stands for Single Photon Emission Computed Tomography. It's a nuclear medicine study that looks at living brain tissue. It's really cool. So it's different than a CAT scan or an MRI that shows the structure of the brain. And the structure of the brain is rarely a problem in psychiatric disorders. They're more functional Mm -hmm. disorders. And we basically see three things, good activity, too little or too much. And then our job is to balance it. So if you have a brain that works too hard, we want to calm it down. If you have a brain that doesn't work hard enough, we want to stimulate it. So in 2015, I published two very large studies showing we could separate post-traumatic stress disorder, emotional trauma, from traumatic brain injury with very high levels of accuracy. And why is that important? To know the underlying physiology. Because if you think, based on your history, that this person has a busy brain, and you give them an SSRI to calm it down, And you get that wrong, say they have a sleepy brain because they had a traumatic brain injury, then you're going to disinhibit that person and ultimately make them worse. And what other medical specialists act like psychiatrists? You know, my work's been criticized and I just stand there in utter disbelief. I'm arguing for more information and you have a problem with it. (laughs) It's like, why would you have a problem with more information? And if you went to PubMed today and just typed in brain spec, there'd be 15,500 abstracts on it. So I I feel like almost I live in a time warp. But the scans are so important. You know, I often say a picture's worth a thousand words, right? Everybody's heard that. But a map is worth a thousand pictures. A map tells you where you are and gives you direction on how to get to where you want to go.
0: So say not everybody has access to be able to have a brain scan. Are there the initial tips on what you would say just someone to have healthy brain health? Maybe talking about like happier diet or how meditation affects the brain.
1: Well, a long time ago, I realized not everybody's getting a scan. You know, there's still this food fight in psychiatry where you should even look at the brain. Mm -hmm. And so based on thousands of scans, I've developed questionnaires to help people know about the health of their brain. In fact, you mentioned my new book, You Happier, The Seven Neuroscience Secrets of Feeling Good, based on your brain type. Mm -hmm. And People can go to brainhealthassessment.com and learn about their brain type. Is it balanced? Is it spontaneous? Sleepy frontal lobes. Is it persistent? Their frontal lobes work too hard. Is it sensitive? Their emotional brain is busy. Or cautious? Their anxious brain is busy. And then know, well, here are the strategies for each type that I talk about in the book. I think all of us, I think of brain health it's three things. Brain envy, got to care about it. <laughs> Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of <laughs> anybody's problem. I've not seen it once in 40 years, being a psychiatrist, got to care about your brain. And nobody cares about their brain. Why? Because you can't see, see it. it. I know. It's you like- see the wrinkles in your skin or the fat around your belly. If you came, we have a clinic in Dallas. If you came and we scanned you, you would fall in love with your brain. So if it was healthy, you would celebrate. If it was not healthy, we'd rehabilitate. And you'd get even more serious about brain health. So when I saw my brain in 1991, when I first, it was not healthy. I scanned my 60-year-old mother the week before. Her brain was beautiful because she has just a lot of great habits. And mine wasn't because I had bad habits and I played football and I had meningitis and I didn't sleep. And here I am, I'm a double board certified psychiatrist. I was top neuroscience student in medical school and I don't care at all about my own brain. But when I saw it and I saw it wasn't healthy, I got really serious about it. So that's step one, brain envy, got to care. is avoid things that hurt it. And you just have to know the list. And alcohol is not a health food, right? I have the scams. I have research that says alcohol is not a health. Marijuana is not going green. I'm a bit horrified that everybody thinks it's innocuous. In fact, Cory Booker shamed Joe Biden during one of the Democratic presidential debates because Biden said, I don't think there's enough research. We need to be cautious. And Booker said, are you high? Like on a national audience, bad food, being overweight, you know, right now there's all this body positivity, which is awesome, except as your weight goes up, the size and function of your brain goes down. I published that three times on three different groups of people. It's being overweight is just not a good thing for brain health not sleeping. Mm-hmm. So, and in fact, in my book, The End of Mental Illness, that I think you'd really like, I have this writing device where I just imagined if I was an evil ruler and I wanted to create mental illness, what would I do? I'd have Girl Scouts selling cookies. I would take this awesome organization, give them poison and have them sell it right? There's this great article of a Girl Scout outside a San Diego pot dispensary who sold 300 boxes of Girl Scout cookies in a couple of hours. That is just a brilliant evil ruler. Wow. That was a adage.
0: good bu- business move for Girl Scouts, <laughs> put it outside the pot dispensary.
1: My wife says I can't pick on Girl Scouts. People <laughs> hate And it's everywhere, right? Our unconscious is being Constantly bombarded with the wrong messages. I was watching a baseball playoff game and there must have been 30 different commercials for a specific beer. And then they attach the beer, they label it with fun, with sex, with party. And I'm like, that's why people are having trouble stopping because they're. Unconscious or their subconscious is being bombarded with messages of illness.
0: Right. And so social media, you brought that up social media and the brain. Let's specifically talk like Instagram or Facebook. How do you think that's affected the brain over the past decade
1: plus? Oh, so many things. It actually shows some damage to the brain. People spend the most time on social media, have a thinner cortex. And it's good to have thin waist, not good to have a thin cortex. That's where a lot of the processing happens. Social media increases depression, lower self-esteem, especially as you begin to compare your life to, quote, everybody else who has a better life. Mm -hmm. Social media has so much inappropriate content, especially porn exposure for young boys. And young girls, Billie Eilish came out and said she was 11 when she was exposed to porn and it really messed with her sex life. It steals your time, it distracts focus, it drains dopamine, which just you just end up feeling flat afterwards. And even though we're virtually more connected, we're lonelier than ever. It steals sleep. People get bullied a lot, and it can increase anxiety. We just have to be so careful. And I have lots of followers on Instagram and TikTok, especially, which surprises me to no end. And I'm always conscious of trying to give helpful content to counteract some of the noise.
0: Yeah. So if someone, which I'm in my head, you have a a clinic in Dallas, yeah? Not in Austin, but in Dallas, Texas? Dallas, yeah. Maybe I'll have to go up there and scan because now I'm interested because I'm in the fitness world and that's my company where it's all physical, but then I brought in mental health through meditation, but... I'm interested, yeah, the physical body, but then the physical brain. But someone who decides to start taking care of their brain health, and more so than meditation alone, how soon, depending, obviously, how much work they do, can you start to see a mental shift?
1: The next day.
0: Yeah.
1: If you sleep better tonight, you're going to feel better tomorrow.
0: Yeah.
1: I have a whole bunch. And then you happier, we talk about tiny habits, you know, the smallest thing you can do today that'll make the biggest difference. And some of those is this good for my brain or bad for it. So that's a three second tiny habit. And you just need to know the list. And quite frankly, most seven-year-olds know the list. I, I went that. to my daughter's second grade class And I wrote 20 things on the board. And I went, okay, divide these for me. Good for your brain or bad for? Football, hitting soccer balls with your head, smoking, alcohol, marijuana, bad food. They got all of those in the right category. Out of the 20 things, they only miscategorized one. And it was orange juice, which they put in the good category. Is orange juice bad? Wait. Of course, because whenever you unwrap fruit sugar from its fiber source, it turns toxic.
0: What about In fresh your... squeeze?
1: Now, say, better to okay. eat the orange. Eat, okay. eat the orange because you're eating the fiber, and the fiber is the antidote to the sugar, the fruit sugar.
0: So then what about cold-pressed juices? Say, well, like better... I say,
1: Vegetable juices are awesome yeah. okay. for you, but it's, it's the sugar content. Yeah. And given the 50%, I mean, it's just staggering, the numbers. 50% of the population is diabetic or pre-diabetic. 72% of us are overweight forty two percent of Americans are obese. Sixty percent of Americans have hypertension or pre hypertension. These numbers are not okay, mm-hmm. and the whole point of the body and I love that you're into fitness because your mood's going to be better, but the whole point of the body is to carry around the brain mm-hmm. uh, and like Transplant a lot of other organs, but not your brain. If you transplant Mm -hmm. your brain, you will not be you anymore. And so getting physically healthy is essential for brain health. And you mentioned meditation a couple of times. I love meditation. Meditation is one of those things that can calm your emotional brain, but also activate your thoughtful brain. So I published three studies on a kundalini yoga form of meditation called Kirtan Kriya, which is basically 12 minutes. It's a singing meditation where you chant Na Ma, Na Ma, while you finger your thumb to your second, third, fourth, and fifth fingers. And you do that for 12 minutes and activate your frontal lobes. Well, how cool is that? I mean, your frontal lobes are the brain's break, stops you from saying things you shouldn't say or doing things you shouldn't do. So this one little question is just good for my brain or bad for it. But if you really want to feel better tomorrow, when you go to bed tonight, go, what went well today? Yeah. Every night for the last 10 years, I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? And it's like a little treasure hunt I go on and that's how I put myself to sleep. And if you do that, your dreams are going to be better. You're going to sleep better and you're going to feel better tomorrow. And it's nudging your brain, training your brain to look for what's right rather than what's wrong.
0: I started doing that too either in bed or sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and with some sort of anxiety or in the morning when I'm like do that shift of positive what is great in your life and I have this list and it immediately switches your train of thought in your brain. So what are the tips then? Okay, so going to bed reflecting on what is what went well today, what is well in your life versus that negative self-talk of this is going on, this is Wrong in my life. This relationship is strained. This is happening at work. How important is positive self talk?
1: You know, I would just shift it to accurate self talk. Okay. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. Positive self talk is I can have this third beer and it won't have a negative impact on me. I can have this cheesecake and I'll get stoned. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate is, well, is it true? Whatever I'm thinking, I want to be as honest as I can with a positive spin. So whenever, you, here's another tiny habit. Whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking and just ask yourself, is it true? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there's a whole section and you happier on how to do this exercise because it's basically five questions but the last question is you take the original thought i saw somebody yesterday and the thought was i won't get better even though he's getting better but that thought came up and if you don't discipline your thoughts they'll control you so mm-hmm. i call the man's automatic negative thoughts you need to develop an internal anteater to get rid of them. And so, I'm not going to get better. Is that true? He goes, no, I'm already getting better. Is it absolutely true? No. How does that thought make you feel? Depressed. Dejected. Who would you be without the thought? Happy. So let's, and this is the tiny habits, take the original thought and flip it to the opposite. It will get better. And then just ask yourself if there's any evidence for that. So whenever you have a bad thought, flip it to the opposite, and see if you can't find evidence of the opposite. And it's training, right? I've been blessed to see like some just amazing athletes, like Troy Gloss, who is California Angel, and I'm like, he hit three hundred and some home runs. I'm like, did you go up to? Bad and think a lot. And he goes, No. In fact, when I thought I'd get worse, he needed to make hitting in his subconscious mind. And you do that through repetition and practice. And you have to do this a lot. If you tend to be negative, you have to do it a lot to retrain your brain, not to be overly optimistic. That's not a good thing. Be accurate with a positive spin.
0: And would you, what, what are your thoughts on manifestation through thoughts?
1: Well, if you think you're going to fail the test, you won't study, so you're more likely to fail the test. Yes. I think intention matters. So, for example, the biggest example in my life is I went to the local church where I live. And it's right after I finished writing Change Your Brain, Change Your Body, which was a huge bestseller for me. And it was my second book on the connection between physical health and mental health. And I went to church and passed hundreds of donuts for sale for charity. And I've been going to church since I was four, but that day they pissed me off. (laughs) And then I listened about the ice cream social they had the night before, and I was so mad that I'm going to church to get my soul fed, and these people are trying to kill me, that I pray God would use me to change the culture of food at church. And at the time, I'm like, this is the dumbest prayer you ever prayed. And if you really get to know me, you know I have an attitude problem. And I'm like, (laughs) God, that's my prayer. Deal with it. No lie, two weeks later, Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church called me, one of the largest churches in the world, and he said, I'm bad, my church is bad, will you help me? And he and I, Mark Hyman, developed the Daniel Plan that ended up going to thousands of churches around the world. So it's like intention matters. And that's how I manifested the Daniel Plan.
0: I love that. I believe in manifestation. So, I want to ask you one more question because it's really important, is hydration, water. So, at Tone it up, obviously we focus about drinking enough water and hydration, but we don't necessarily say why, but obviously it helps your brain health and your physical health, but also hydration and brain health.
1: So, 70% of your body is water. 80% of your brain is water. Mm-hmm. Being dehydrated by just 2% decreases your ability to think, decreases your ability to know where you are in space. You're less coordinated. And hydration is just critical. Yeah. We talked about tiny habits. One of my favorite stories is Nancy came to see me from Oxford, England. She found my book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life in a used bookstore for 50 cents. And she loved it and wrote down, there are I don't know, 300 things to do for brain health. She goes, okay, I can't do everything. I'm going to just start with one thing at a time. And she started with hydration. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to drink eight glasses of water day. And at the time she was overweight, depressed, she's 80, overweight, depressed, thought her life was over. And she got off the couch. Mm. And she goes, I felt better. And then she started taking supplements. And then she ate better. And then she exercised. And then she took brunch. And then she took dancing. I mean, she just did all of these things, but just one at a time and then taught her family. And when I met her a year later, she'd lost 70 pounds and her brain looked stunning. Mm-hmm. And she cried when she saw it because she said a year ago it wouldn't have looked like this. But I think one little simple thing to start for brain health is get hydrated.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting too. And I asked you the question earlier, like when you start paying attention to your brain health, how soon can you see results? But it's also, I get that question a lot. When I start working out, when do I see results? And like you said, like, as soon as you get a good night's sleep, your brain health is better. But as soon as you move your body, you feel better mentally immediately. So I say when you start working out, the results are immediate. And it is, I think a lot of times, people think that it's such like a laundry list of things to do that it becomes so overwhelming. But like you're, what you're saying, baby steps, one thing at a time. And then it becomes a habit and you are feeling better.
1: Yeah. I mean, is it good for my brain or bad for it if you can just do that? Yeah. Or does it fit is another one. I have all of my patients get clarity on what they want in their lives. It's an exercise called the one-page miracle. on mm-hmm. One piece yes. of paper, write down what you want. Relationships, work, money, physical, emotional, spiritual health.
0: And then Take how... Your... And, and then... Energy. So then your patients have that. And so then do you have? how do you get them to focus in on that and not all the other noise that is so distracting
1: in this world? Like, does it fit? Yeah. You know, if I got tattoos, I don't have any yet. And I'm thinking about them. Well, does it fit? Always ask yourself. So for example, with my wife, I want a kind, caring, loving, supportive, passionate relationship. I always want that, but I don't always feel like that. You know, rude thoughts come into my head. But I'm like, does it fit the goals I have for my life? Or I would, you know, love to go get like a huge plate of spaghetti. Mm-hmm. That's totally bad for me. And so I love it, but it doesn't love me back. And so it doesn't really fit any of the goals I have for my life. And it's one of the secrets in you happier. It's secret number four, love food that loves you back. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in a relationship with food. And I think one of the reasons we have such high levels of brain health issues or mental illnesses is we feed people like crap. I know. You know, you look at the standard American diet. People who eat in a healthy way have less depression. People who eat in a healthy way have less dementia. We need to be more thoughtful on what we put in our bodies. If there's a health food aisle in the grocery store, what does that say about the rest of the store?
0: Mm, Good point. Good point there. I know I always say, like, shop like the outside aisles and don't go, but yeah. They're now every grocery store, health food. All right, Dr. Raymond, any last words for anyone out there? I'm going to put all of your info and your books in the show notes. But Well, you
1: know, you have a nonprofit, I do too, called yes. the Change Your Brain Foundation, changeyourbrain.org you know, I think our missions are very aligned. So if there are any things we can do together, I would love that because I have a big mission. You know, if somebody would have seen your mother Mm -hmm. as having a brain health issue and talked to her about all the ways to get her brain healthy. And most people don't know, if you take a map of the United States and you map out the highest incidence of schizophrenia, it's the Northeast, the North Midwest, and the West Coast. Mm. And then you overlay the highest incidence of Lyme disease. They're virtually identical. So shouldn't everyone with schizophrenia at least be screened? For infectious disease, because mm-hmm. I think infectious disease is a major cause of psychiatric problems that nobody thinks about. And that's just nuts in, in my mind, because, you know, if you have schizophrenia, it means you've lost touch with reality. And that is so scary. But what is the organ of behavior? It's the brain. And what's assaulting someone's brain? And even today, most psychiatrists say, well, we don't really know what's causing it. It's because you're not looking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. So I'm from Indiana, and my mother's father was also schizophrenic and committed suicide when my mom was 18. But when I was with my mom in the hospital about five years ago, and they were dealing with all of her physical ailments and diseases going on, I I went to the doctor and said can I have a psychiatrist come in because there's something wrong with her brain. And I was explaining her brain health and her diagnosis in the past and I said since she's here in the hospital, you know, you're telling me to put her on hospice and I went to her cabin and the food she had, empty bottles of vodka, she had meals of empty boxes, all just unhealthy food and the doctors, number one, got mad at me and said, we don't deal with mental issues. We deal with physical. And I was like, well, isn't this all intertwined? And they wouldn't help her mentally. And then when they told me to put her on hospice and she had two weeks to live, I moved her to California. She was in Seattle at the time. I changed her diet and got her on healthy green juices, not too much sugar. Just changed her diet and, and went to the farmer's market. and she lived for another five years. And yeah, it's all correlated. And I would love to do something with you and your foundation and raise awareness about brain health. We're
1: going to have a big event December 7th called The End of Mental Illness. So I'll have Natalie send you an invitation. Yes. You know, it's way too big of a mission for me, but...
0: And me, but there's a lot of... (laughs) The more people that are doing it and helping, I, I feel... That generations to come will hopefully have a cure and have more hope and not have to go through what I did as a kid.
1: In this direction, generations to come will be worse because the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical industry they run psychiatry and they run a lot of medicine and they're interested in people reordering drugs, not fixing the problem. I don't mean to be cynical because I'm actually a pretty positive person, but I also know the truth will set you free. This is a mess and we can do better.
0: I agree with that. And I'm here for the mission to do better. What, Uh, uh, What little point I can do. All right. Thank you again. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Here's to radical self-love The type of love that will defeat anxiety The type of love that defeats depression This is the one life, this is the moment This is the time to dig in To be who you already are The Big Silence Breathe in, breathe out